Good evening, everyone. Um, uh, we continue to pray for our music director as she recovers. Um, next weekend and the following weekend, uh, Dr. Charles Hestad will be with us. Uh, he's from Seattle. Uh, he's from the former parish where I was pastor, so he'll come and be with us. He had been with us uh, the past two days. Uh, we had a funeral, and then we had a wedding this afternoon, and he was able to come and provide music. Uh, so we were very thankful, but he could not stay for the whole weekend because he had to provide music for the parish, St. Benedict's. Uh, and but he'll come back next weekend and the following weekend to be with us. But, but we have music. My friends, um, even in the midst of COVID-19 and all the change and everything, um, the deacon and I, and uh, I had time to think of, uh, I had a funeral mass uh, yesterday and with all the guidelines, and we had a nuptial mass, uh, the first one I've done in seven years. I've done close to 300 funerals since being here in seven years, but not a nuptial mass. So it was my first one. So I was as nervous as the bride. <laughs> because I also had two Dominican priests from the University of Washington present. Uh, they came because they knew the bride. And uh, uh, the University of Washington, they have the Newman Center and they have Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and Blessed Sacrament prepares uh, about 130 couples a year for marriage. And so you can do the the figures, so they're the masters of nuptial masses. So I thought they're going to be judging me, <laughs> uh, watching to see if I make any mistakes. Uh, but this weekend, in addition to having the nuptial mass, uh, the funeral mass, uh, tomorrow we'll have two children making their first Holy Communion, and then we'll have a baptism. And I've already done a confirmation this week. Uh, the only thing left outside of ordination, which I cannot do, I'm not a bishop, is to anoint. So if someone would like to be anointed this weekend, I get most of the sacraments covered and I will be, uh, be, be busy. My friends, um, the parable of the sower is a favorite amongst Christians, but it's also one that is debated uh, about its meaning. And that doesn't, shouldn't surprise us because it's a parable. And we've been studying the parables ever since Jesus gave them to us. Uh, because they're usually Christians and Christians uh, agree that the parable is about the word of God. Um, Jesus compares the word of God to a seed that falls to the ground. Uh, our first reading hints at this when Isaiah says God cares for the earth by sending rain to make it fruitful uh, and the sun. And, uh, and he says if he does this for the earth, what does he do for his children? Well, he sends his word. And not only does we mean Jesus Christ, and we use the w, large W, a capital W for word, but his very word also. And uh, the second reading I really don't have to say much about. It's very clear. Um, the glory that awaits us in the next life outweighs anything that we will suffer in this world. Um, but uh, one question often voiced by people is, if the word of God has such power, to save, to heal, and to instill peace. Why have people rejected it? Why hasn't it been widely accepted? And the answer is really found in Matthew's uh, recording of the parable that Jesus put forth about God's word. 
And as I said, the parable, in the parable, seed refers to the word of God. And it speaks of why his word, though powerful, seems ineffective. The seed God gives, and uh, we can even translate this to Jesus. Jesus is God for us, remember, um, is powerful and salvific. The problem lies in the ground where it falls. The ground, of course, refers to us. Some of us are too hard of heart. Some of us are just too busy. In the midst of a COVID pandemic, I can't imagine anyone trying to put that one forth. But um, yes, maybe they're too busy. Some are too distracted. Some are dis disheartened. Some are disillusioned. And etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. My friends, I've come to learn as a pastor, uh, folks come and ask for my advice, and I give them a word of advice. And I can't speak for all pastors, but for me, I often wonder, what did I do wrong? What went wrong with the advice I gave, the word I gave them? And um, the parable, one of the meanings for me then tells me that um, all I can do is sow the seed by word and example as best that I can. That is what the Lord expects from me, is what he expects from you. That is what he expects from his church. With this in mind, however, we'll take a look at some of the other meanings. What kind of soil am I? Soil that is hard as cement, where God's word cannot penetrate, and all sorts of distractions blow the seed that does fall away? Am I soil that readily embraces his word, allowing it to take root and grow in my life? What kind of soil am I? The point of the parable is that when the seed falls on good soil, it takes root and grows. My friends, it's handed on by the followers of Jesus. Do you remember how the church began? His apostles went out and spoke the word. And then they got disciples, and then they made more disciples, and then more disciples. So faith in Christ is handed on by the followers of Jesus, and the church grows. All that we see in the church, its parishes, its schools, its ministries, the commitment of so many people to spreading the word of God, the gospel, are products of seed in good soil. Let the disciples today of Jesus judge the power of the seed, not by the seed that falls on pavement and rock and thorns and such, but by the seed that falls on good soil. Judge the power of God's word, not by those who claim to be Christians, they are only in name, but by those who are and what it does in their lives, by those who deeply embrace the word of God and let it live and let it show as an example. 
people today should judge a church not by its sinners, but by its saints. That's where one can see the real power of God's word. People have become so obsessed and infuriated with the seed that fails. And I'm talking about our own members. I'm not even talking about the people who are not within the church. They become so obsessed with the seed that fails that they cannot see the growing that is happening around them all the time. Because often the seed that grows in good soil does so quietly and slowly, but it grows. This parable reminds us of the seed that falls on good soil. Perhaps one of the messages of the parable is to sow the best that we can to spread Christ's word as effectively and honestly and honorably as we know how and leave the rest to God's grace. For the fact of the matter is that some seed will take root and that will make all the sowing worthwhile. Jesus gave another parable, one. The one, I go after the one sheep that is lost. If one person is saved by his word, then it is worthwhile. Judge that. Judge it rightly. For God, one soul is worth it. For he sent his son to do that. And just as certain as the sun rises in the morning, so will the seed sown on good soil produce good fruit. The disciples of Jesus Christ are to keep sowing no matter how the soil may look because we never know where it will with God's grace take root and produce a harvest of a transformed life that will in turn change others. And just as the sower in the parable, which is God, so widely and generously sowed the seed, so must we, his disciples, do the same, always trusting and having faith in the Lord's grace that there will be a harvest to the glory of God. And for this to happen, we, his disciples, must stay in his word. This is how we stay in touch with the very power of God within us and to let it revitalize and to transform our very lives, allowing it then to become examples for others who are wandering or who may be lost. I suspect most of us here will have to really pray and reflect and perhaps make some serious changes. We will have to ask ourselves some very tough questions, such as what type of soil am I? We will have to ask, what do I really value? And how are those values assisting me to grow in holiness? Let us never forget and always treasure the Lord's powerful and salvific word above all other words in this world and in our lives. 
for his is the only word that can save us. All other words, like our human years and our novelties, will pass away. But the word of God remains forever, 1 Peter 1.25. Yes, my homily has been influenced by two things, a funeral and a wedding. Like you, I'm a human person. I get affected by things, always by the word of God. But this homily was written knowing that I would have a funeral and that I would have a wedding to celebrate and how powerful the word of God is, was, and always will be in both of those settings and in all settings. My friends, one of the things about the parables um, that people argue about, well, why did Jesus teach that way? Why did he, was he trying to hide something? No. You've tried to talk to people who don't want to listen. <laughs> right? Have you ever tried that? Talking to someone who's not listening to you. Worse, are you the one that the person tried to speak truth to? La, 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 la. Not hearing it. The parables, the great thing about the parables is the parables keep people from being defensive. It's a story that Jesus tells that's very familiar to the people. Everything, all the parables are very familiar to the people, farming and the sun and the weather and things. As he tells it, they do not realize that he's talking about them at first and that the point of the parable has to do with them. It's only when they leave and go and think about it that they discover, oh, he was talking about us, wasn't he? But then they're alone and open to receive it. You know how people can get, they get defensive the minute you, and you can't talk to them. Jesus knew this. Because he's clever, he said, I will devise the parable present the story, and as they leave, they will figure it out. <laughs> but at least they'll be open at that time as a possible the changes. And the parables are amazing, and they have been studied for years and years and years and years. My friends, uh, our Mass tonight is being offered. Uh, I had the opportunity to read what you wrote about Dad. Uh, amazing. Good soil. The seed fell on that, and he became a quintessential, well, I would say the church lady, but the church man. He was there all the time, it seems like, and served God well. So his crown of glory will be large. Friends, uh, we're doing very well on the end of Catholic Appeal. We're about 32,000 away from the goal. Uh, uh, what I'm becoming a little bit concerned about is our budget, however. Um, in the midst of everything that's going on, we're about 85,000 uh, under budget now. Um, that's, getting, uh, that's beginning to keep me up at night. Uh, that means we'll have to make changes. If we're but uh, I have my faith in Christ, of course, and I know this parish is very generous, so I'll start really, um, I don't like to talk about money, uh, but I'll have to begin to speak about uh, tithing and how we can, uh, uh, we 
you can't have any fundraisers, really. <laughs> you can't have dinners or anything that's not permitted. So we'll just continue to ask people to, to give as they can. Part of it is because a lot of folks haven't returned to the pew yet, and uh, um, because of that, uh, their tithing is off. So we'll, we'll get there. But I thought, uh, you know, my family will bring it up with you and let you know that, yes, your pastor is getting a little worried now <laughs> uh, that uh, that's a, a large amount of money that we need to run the bit, you know, to run the ministries here. But uh, uh, together we will make make everything work properly. Amen.